Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Gary Ball, you read as we reflect on a weekend where Nottingham Forest were beaten once again, this time 1-0 by Wolves in a game of two penalties. So joining me to discuss that and look ahead to tomorrow's game at Brighton, I'm joined first of all by an elite level podcaster and Neil Warnock's new best friend <laughs> in David Prutton. Prutz, how are you? Good, thank you very much. I'm very well, how are you? I'm very well. I should put that in context and give you a free plug for your new podcast with Mr Warnock. Do you want to yeah, tell people we- about it very quickly? I'm sure we'll delight people uh, that have um, got different differing opinions about him. Yeah, it's uh, chatting about anything, not anything, everything that sounds a bit vague, getting guests on, uh, getting his unique perspective on the footballing world given 40 years in management. And what's it called? It's called Die for Three Points, which is part of a rant that he was very, very famous for. Uh, and if you've not seen it, it's very funny. Yes, our famed Twitter account comes out every Saturday, I think, doesn't it? You've got to die for three points. Second Correct. guest today uh, does not have any podcast of his own, thankfully, so he's free to help us out as much as he can in Michael Temple. Temps, how are you? I'm getting a bit annoyed with Fruits because he was a better footballer than me. I went to university, studied media, but he's got a better media job than me. And now he's six places ahead of us in the podcast charts. So he's just, he's ways, isn't he? just turns his hand to anything and just... Grand yeah, but Temps, come on, your hair looks immaculate, mate, and you look like a very uh, composed and collected individual because my, my inner turmoil is not worth discussing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the football then. Um, as we say, Forrest beaten 1-0 by Wolves. They scored a penalty. Forrest missed their penalty. Uh, both decided by VAR. Temps, you watched the whole game. Just overall general thoughts on how Forrest looked? Uh, are we going to talk about the penalties later? Because I suppose it is a tale of those, isn't it? And as a football fan, I don't think I want to see either of those penalties given. Try always lace that ball at Toffolo. I think it was about 0.17 seconds between leaving his left peg and striking Toffolo's arm. And for, for me, there's, there's nobody can react to that. But you watch it in super slow-mo from the perfect angle 12 times and you probably do have to give the penalty. And then at the other end, Yatesy's having a, a tussle, isn't he? He's, he's giving and getting in equal measure. And that one's given in our favour. But just, just putting my um, status as a Forest supporter to one side for a second, I don't, wanna, I don't think I want to see either of those given. I think without VAR, neither of them are given. And in a, a period like we're having where we need everything to go our way to, to nick points, it's, it's counted against us on this occasion. So, yeah, Forrest look quite blunt going forward at the minute. It's going to be a, a big, big problem as we try to change our fortunes. What did you think about the first one then, Prots? Because in the ground, there wasn't even a, a whimper of an appeal and then it, mm. it gets given. Is it just one of those, you know, the, the rules of the problem rather than, well, I don't know, the execution of them in a sense? I think Temps is right because having watched it in real time and then watched it back, in varying on in varying speeds, then by the time you get to that sixth, seventh, eighth view of it, 
Thames is absolutely right. You can then see why it's given. But that, again, flies in the face of what VAR is for. Because if you need eight attempts to look at it, then that's not clear and obvious, is it? Um, the fact that the ball is smashed pretty um, powerfully toward goal means that you can't get out of the way. If there is a minute, and I mean minute, shimmy of an arm, that's purely instinctive. But again, you only see that several frames down the different um, re- replays that you watch. So I think it's a tough one for Forrest to take, especially when, when, like we've said, they're in this position now where the tiniest little slice of luck needs to go their way because um, because of, of how tough it's been so far being back in the Premier League. And as for the one down the other end, <clears throat> it was it was bizarre because when you see it kind of broken down, you look at the first bit with with Ryan, and then you look at uh, Adama Traore behind him. It's almost we're almost drawn now to different things when it comes to instead of it just being a contact sport like Temp says, where things happen in the eighteen yard box and people get up and get on with. There might be a thrown of the arms to the referee, but you break that down. And I was even listening to the commentary where they went. They were talking about the Yates thing, then it's like, oh, but look, there's also a possibility of a handball. It's like, what else can we look at? You know what I mean? Does someone fall over on the edge of the 18-yard box? So it's um, so I can understand the frustration with it. I think, not, let's not debate VAR, but I think by, by and large, I've not minded VAR being used. But once again, it's, that, it's the subjective element being put towards what people believe to be finite laws of the games when they not necessarily are, are they? So... Again, going back to Temps's point where if you need to look at it that many times, it's not then doing what it's there for. Mm. I mean, I was listening to it on Five Live. I was on the way back from my daughter's birthday party, uh, expensive weekend, and they were discussing, um, they were moaning about the first one for the internal weight, which is another problem of VAR. Ridiculous, and, yeah. and the second one, the whole discussion was around, was it handball? And they were like, oh, actually it's been given because of Ryan Yates uh, being fouled. Mm. So it does show... The, the problems. I mean, I thought in the context of the game as it is today, they were both penalties, but neither one should be in a way. It's just how the game is right now, and that's probably the bigger problem. Um, let's talk about Brennan's penalty. Uh, he's getting a lot of flat for it. It wasn't a bad penalty, was it, Thames? I thought it was more one where you give the keeper the credit. Give the keeper the credit, because I watched it back thinking he might have strayed off his line, but he, he didn't. His technique as a keeper is really good. Kept one foot planted. Firm step as Brennan approached, and he telegraphed it well. If you're being hypercritical of what Brennan did, he didn't look altogether comp- composed in his, his run-up. He ran around it, and then as he as he planted his foot, his body was so open. I think the keeper could read uh, the corner in which he was he was going. It was maybe a yard inside the post, so he didn't quite find the corner. But since that daft penalty a few few weeks ago, he has looked far more composed, hasn't he? He's gone side foot with power. I think he needs to disguise it a bit better, particularly if he's opening his body up and he's going to go right-hand side. That is the easy one for the, the, the keeper to read. And running around the ball on the, on the, on the, um, on the run-up does limit your options, makes it harder to go either way, makes it harder to change your mind last minute. And if you watch, for me, Harry Kane's technique is mm. unbelievably good because he can go both sides. His method and technique is almost identical regardless of which side he's going to go. And whilst Brennan has got um, into a better mentality, no more dinks down the middle, we'll never see that again. He just needs to, to disguise it a little bit more, particularly if he's going to open up his body. Mm. I mean, is that fair, Prots? I know you weren't a penalty taker, but you, you're, you're a better right footballer than we were. No, but I, I can't disagree with anything that Temps has said there. To, for, he's, he's done 
That's this sounds condescending, and it's not. But to break it down like that is is absolutely correct. Um, that's the technical aspect of it. I think the thing, obviously, using the Harry Kane um, example as an example, is the mentality side of it, which is something that you can't really look at and judge from Brennan's point of view, really, can you? With regards to the confidence that's needed to step up and take a penalty, whether that particular game is going your way when you do get that penalty. Um, put it into context of perhaps a little bit of flack that he's been getting with regards to um, people looking at him going, well, he is one of these star men. And let's, it's 10 games into his Premier League career. Christ, like he's gonna take it's going to take time for him to adapt, as it is doing for a lot of the players in the forest side, as it is doing for the management and the hierarchy, which we'll come into in due course. But I think, yeah, Temps is absolutely right with regards to that particular technique. Uh, and again, it was like, like you said, Matt, it was not something I ever had the chance to do, nor would I ever be given the chance to do, let's be honest. But it's, um, it's a tough one, especially given as well, in a game such as that, where over the course of the piece, Forrest that banging on Wolves' door, chance after chance after chance after chance, are there by any stretch of the imagination? So that then becomes an even more important um, kick of a ball in a football match where you are against a side that is in and around the same types of positions and you need to claw the points away from those types of rivals. Mm. I mean, there's two debates around, Brennan, I want to get both of your takes on. One's around his form and one's around his effort. And I really reject this kind of notion that he's not trying, which seems to be being more and more pervasive on Twitter. He does not interest in his body language is terrible. I just can't get on board with that at all. Pruts, surely a lad who's come through the system, it's his hometown club. Mm. He might not be playing well, but he's putting everything in and more, isn't he? Maybe he's even trying too hard and putting too much pressure on himself, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was there was there was even a burst in the last. Um, I think it was in in added time, wasn't it? Where he showed his fitness levels, he showed his um, capacity to carry a football. I don't, I don't know. Some, sometimes things like this, as we've discussed in the past, Matt, can gain traction on on Twitter. I mean, it, it, it's it's as inevitable as as death and taxes, isn't it? on Twitter so I don't think it's a wonderful platform for discourse and debate I absolutely understand that but it's also a great place to start off stuff like this which and and take out of the equation Brennan's history with a football club and his dad and how well liked and how well uh, respected he is he's an international footballer going to the World Cup why would you be tossing games off I'm mean, like that if you if you try to break it I understand there is sometimes an element of, of a projection of the way footballers are when a team is struggling I absolutely get that. It comes with the territory. It comes with the, um, it comes with the exposure. It comes with the money. And sorry, modern footballers, you've just got to get on with that. That's the stick you're always going to get beaten with when things aren't going great. But you're well remunerated, so shut up and get on with it. But I, I think that the the finger getting pointed at the lack of effort. I, the, there's some players that you may come across like that in your career, as as we are when it comes to commenting on football, but. I don't think Brennan Johnson, A, for him as the standards that he's set by himself, nor knowing the people around him, would settle for at all. Mm. I guess form's a different question, Temps. A lot of people saying he should be left out, which is a valid argument. I suppose my question would be, who for in that sense? Because no one's putting their hand up, are they, in those front positions? It's not necessarily form, is it? It's development and the pace of his development. And perhaps it's just so they're 10 games into his Premier League career. Chris Hooton had written him off a couple of years ago as a championship player and, and, and look at him now. With the back four, there's more work demanded of him now. He does have to track more and come deeper to get the ball in. We can all see that he is doing that. 
But as the game goes up, particularly when we're behind, he's going to take risks. So there's going to be times when he's going to try and pin their fullback or hang in space or you know be the the outlet for the for the counter. And we saw that. But the analysis on match today was interesting, wasn't it? Because it, it pointed out how there are instances where those around him aren't necessarily doing the right thing. And there are instances where he's not reacting to certain triggers in the game that more experienced Premier League players would. The example was made of uh, Emmanuel Dennis's run into space, Brennan running down the alley, turning around and dropping off with a fullback. There was another one where he tacked off the right and he had Koyata at the edge of the box screaming for it and he belted his shot in through players uh, and it was, it was blocked and the chance went away. But he's seen this, this analysis too and he's having this pointed out probably right now as we speak as they look back at the video and analyse the bits that he can do to improve himself. But last year, when I think his record was 18 goals and, and 10 assists, he was the better player in one-on-one situations. So he was mincing fullbacks. He was going inside-outside, getting to the byline, cutting it back. His finishing was deadly. And when he was through on goal, he was cruising away from players. He's coming up against a far better calibre of opposition now, and he will get there. 21-year-old lad <clears throat> has played 10 games of Premier League football, and... Perhaps all know this. I'm, I'm sure your first ten games were markedly different to your 110th game in the in the Premier League when you just felt altogether more comfortable and you'd worked out the things that work for you and the things that don't. So I think Brennan's learning, developing at pace. He definitely has the ability to to live at this level. And if we're going to take the question on how do you get the best out of him, should he come out of the team for a, a period of time? Only if there's a better option. If we think that there's some combination of Gibbs White, Lingard, Awani, Dennis, that gives us a better chance of winning a game than with Brennan in, then then fine, take him out for a, a game or two, see what impact he can make from the bench. But even if we do that, he'll be back in the side because his class will tell. He'll get stronger. He'll get more adept at unlocking Premier League defences and we'll reflect on this period in a few months' time or maybe in a couple of seasons' time and see what he's become and the hard yards that he had to go through and the disappointing performances and results that he had to go through to get there. But no one should write Brennan Johnson off, and I'm certainly not. Hmm. It, it, it's, I mean, the point they make there, Temps, is absolutely right, because the it's, it's a learning curve in full glare of everyone that's got an opinion. And it's you mentioned about me, Christ, 20 years ago. It's it's different. It's, it's miles different. The Premier League's like light years better than it was. So people are looking at Wolves not doing very well. It's still a team that's been in the Premier League and kind of is a bit more battle hardened to what that um, what that challenge is. And I think the it'll be better for this. I think that's that's the positive that you've got to put on it. It'll be stronger for working his way through this. I've got no doubt they will that that he, that he will work his way through it because because of the type of player and the person that he is. You, I mean Morgan Gibbs White, a fantastically creative footballer probably being asked to double up on Triore. You know what I mean? It's, it's the, the the mindset at this moment in time with Forrest is containment rather than creativity. And I absolutely get that because you look at where they are and it's it's got to be incremental gains. Three points is great. Three points is great. But a point here and there, a point here and there, just, just keep the, the tally ticking over will help them get towards where the safety needs to be. But I think um, that development of players and how we... it's It was something that we've, we've seen... In two instances with Forrest, you saw Matty Cash move on and then Joe Lolly become less effective as a Forrest player. Jed's obviously moved on, but it's a different level. They, they, it's, 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 they've moved on, 
and Jed and, and, and Brennan together were fantastic. And I think as a Premier League side of that pitch, would have given it a good go so far. This thing, things happen in football. Contracts are, are struck, uh, deals are, are done, so players move on. So then you look at this huge influx of players that have come in and Brennan standing out as he did, Temps, as you're absolutely right, in the championship as one of the shining lights. Uh, has now just gone to show just how tough the Premier League, and it, it's amazing. It, it amazes me because, like, where we get the chance to talk about this, and all the different platforms that, that judgment can be passed and opinion can be given, and the reason that it is such a massive global sport is because people care about it. People are properly bothered about what football is, but it also means that there can be a very bizarre opinion about the Championship and the Premier League and the, an underestimation, obviously, of how unbelievably tough it is. It, it's the top tiny percentage of the top 1% that get to play in the Premier League, even more so nowadays. You look at the Liverpool-Man um, City game yesterday, look at um, Darwin Nunez when you're talking about a player for 85 million quid, still making the wrong decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if he's capable of making the wrong decisions at 85 million pounds... Then 21-year-old Brennan Johnson that cost nothing for us, absolutely nothing, and is 10 games into that with a smattering of international appearances. Maybe just give him the benefit of the doubt that he's got to learn because he's got to learn on the job. And going back to your point, Matt, yeah, get him out of the team if there's a better option. Is there a better option right now? No. He's got to work his way through it. So when you went to Southampton, uh, casting your mind back, did you have some kind of imposter syndrome when you went in there? You're walking out on the pitch those first few games. Do you, do you think I don't belong here or not? Um. There's, I know everyone's different. I just wonder if Brennan yeah, has that. No, I don't think Brennan does. I think the kind of unerring confidence that he's got has showed itself not only domestically but internationally as well. Um, the first thing that I noticed was was in training. Even training, you kind of, and we were a good, hard-working Forest team with good young players in. But I, I you'd go into training, and the, there'd be people that you'd never heard of that were. A, <laughs> I mean, you chase them down, trying to. I'll do, I'll do my usual thing, run around and kick people. Couldn't get anywhere near them. You do like the keep ball session at the start of the of the game, at the start of training, where you had the circle and two in the middle. Spent about six months in the middle of that, knackered, going, Jesus, like, what? Can you give me a breath? And and it was it was as much a, a test, like a peer pressure test, as it was a test of yourself mentally. And then after that, you've just got to put your big boy pants on and get cracking with what your job is. Your job is to perform. Your job is to take heed from other people. But then the diff the difference is with regards to what Brennan's feeling and and, and experience and, and the difference possibly with mine. I went into like an established Premier League team that was full of established battle-hardened pros and, and older pros and you had to sink or you had to swim or you'd sink. Whereas this this team that's come together up through with Forest is a team that's doing this for the first time, isn't it? There's a couple with a smattering of uh, a, a suggestion of, of, a, of a Premier League experience, but a lot of them, it's for the first time and they're doing it together and they're all learning on the job. And I'm sorry, but this is just what happens when you are one of the star players. People look at you and it comes with the territory. I don't need to tell Brennan that because I'm sure his dad's warned him of the pitfalls and the perils of it. But like I said, on the other side of it, it's, it's a glorious lifestyle and it's a glorious profession to be in. But unfortunately, when things aren't going great, oh, you got 18 last season. Why, why haven't you got 10 assists already? Well, have you seen the defenders? Have you seen how physically big these players are? Have you seen how quick they are? Have you seen who we're playing against? It will not be easy. And it goes back to what we've 
all three of us have discussed, anything above the dotted line this season for Forest is absolutely party time. Anything above the dotted line is is unmitigated success for them. And I'm sorry if that sounds a little bit defeatist, but that's got to be the case. Mm, true, true. And just on the game itself, before we start moving on, temps, it sounded like, like I, said, I didn't see it for family reasons, but it sounded like very much like the Villa game. And if Forrest had scored that penalty and taken that point, we'd probably been all right with it. But if you're a bit toothless in attack and you lose, then you're pretty, you know, everyone's pretty negative coming out of it, aren't they? Well, look, there were there were ways within that game that Forrest could have come out with three points. Triolway had a lot of the ball, didn't didn't necessarily have any production at the end of it, aside from winning that penalty first half. But they were they they obviously felt they had a bit of a mismatch there and were feeding him with long diags, getting into his feet. He was running from depth. His, his crosses went went awry. Fast forward to the the second half. That that Yatesy header again in in, in the Premier League. Um, a lot of the uh, dominant central midfielders would, would probably finish that chance. So it wasn't a hapless performance. I think that the the defensive solidity is is improving. I think we're now seeing that the the back four is is here to stay, and there, there are some shoots of that becoming a more um, solid base from from which to grow, but we need to to crack this this piece in the final third. And it was evident in the two best chances that we had: the penalty and, and Yates's header. Better finishing could have could have you know changed that result, bought us a point or or even three. So it wasn't a hapless, abject performance. But nor does it give you great hope. We need that that result, that thing that's going to spark it, that thing that's going to make the boys um, realize, yeah, I do belong here. I can I can cope at this level because they perhaps feel a bit. Down, down on the look at the minute in the sense that those moments in games aren't quite going their way, both individually and collectively. But I think we're getting closer to, to, to knowing what the, what the team is. We need someone to stick their hand up now in an attacking sense, bag a couple, make a couple, whatever, uh, and yeah, drag us up by the, the bootstraps and hopefully that starts against Brighton. But it wasn't a hapless performance. There, were, there are ways and means within that performance that we could have got points from from Molyneux. Uh, before we talk about Bryson and how they maybe tweak one or two things to, to get that result, I wanted to, to touch on the absolute pre-match shambles around the social media graphic. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows it, but I'll just tell you what it was. Forrest put out a graphic of Emmanuel Dennis sat on the pitch with some little wolf cubs saying playtime. Forrest proceeded to lose the game and Wolves' social media team quite reasonably put out a graphic of chopping down a tree saying playtime's over with the uh, icing on the humble pie, if that works, of well, uh, safe journey back to Knott's Forest, just to really rub it in. It was picked up all over. as well. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's picked up all over the media. It's wow. mentioned on match of the day. Mm. It was embarrassing. I mean, for context, Temps, you were uh, so you were head of comms at Trent Bridge, and now still work there in a high position. My day job is social media posting, posting links and graphics, and analysing how they're received. So I think we're well enough place to comment but i don't think we need to be experts in the industry to give an opinion on it and we'll get yours as well perhaps but temps first of all pretty obvious what was going to happen there wasn't it it's not something you do when you're bottom second bottom of the of, of the premier league maybe in the the opposite sense if you were going into a game where you were the overwhelming favorite i, I still wouldn't do it because you set yourself up for a fall and what you've seen from wolves is a, a riposte from a position of strength when they've won the game and that's what's getting talked about now how they've won that battle of social media so no it's not something that I would have done I had a fair few Twitter faux pas in my days as a press <laughs> officer 
as a as a Knotts press press officer, we broke the news of um, Freddie Flintoff coming back out of retirement for Lancashire, which they subsequently denied, and then he played against us on the Friday. So there are there are ways and means, have a bit of fun, have a bit of a jostle, pull people around a bit. But I think when you're uh, on a winless streak, going to a team that have established themselves in the Premier League, you just poke in the bear. And I don't think for a second it was pinned up on the wall and the Wolves boys were in any way motivated or sorry. They 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 couldn't have cared less, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's uh, no, I, I wouldn't have done that from from that position. Yeah, afterwards, Neves posted about it and Steve Davis mentioned it. I was going to get your take on it, Prots. Would that wind you up? Is it, it's a bit, or is it just a bit juvenile and players couldn't give a toss what the you know pre-opposition press people say? I think knowing the kind of gist of what the Forest dressing room is like, it, it would have annoyed them more, basically, because they're getting pelters for performances. Sorry, more results, obviously, than performances. Um, so to exacerbate that by doing something because it, it's as temp says it's silly it's daft it would put be put under the term the b word of banter wouldn't it which means god so many different eggy things um and we can get all a bit serious and a bit offended by little things like this and i'm not saying that should be the case you just look at it and you go really really where where we are like it's just i don't mean go into the Premier League and doff your cap to everyone and just be the new boys who sit in the corner quietly. No, get on with your job. It's tough enough as it is. Just don't kind of stick your head above the parapet with some daft post like that because it was only ever going to... As soon as you see that, as a Forest fan, you're thinking, oh, God, should I even drive tomorrow on you now because I know what's going to happen <laughs> because <laughs> the gods the gods of, of football that see stuff like this and go, oh, lucky, it's not going to be your day today. Just kind of see that and smiles and laugh straight away, don't they? So, I would I would file it under unhelpful, and then as a with a with a, an asterisk saying must do better. <laughs> I think you're right. If the social media team flash that to the WhatsApp group or Cooper's mobile on the Saturday morning and say, "What do you think, Gaffer?" He just yeah. says, "No, definitely not." <laughs> yeah, I, I can see Coops just looking at it going, "Does this need an answer?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Let's move on then. We've um, yeah, file under unhelpful as uh, Prot said, and move on to Brighton and see if Forest can get a result. Temps. I mean, we've sort of touched on this already. Do they just need a couple of minor changes? I'm thinking maybe Mangala in for Koyate, that kind of thing, to be a little bit more expansive at Brighton, maybe. Yeah, Mangala for Koyate would be the change for me. I think he can live with the level. He can do a lot of the stuff that Koyate can do. He also just seems to have that little bit more poise on the ball and he can play that slightly more complicated pass between the lines. There was a nice couple of links that wasn't there with uh, with Freuler when he came on on, on Saturday. And you can just see that he's, he's got a certain composure about him and, he, and, he's, and he's in his prime. Koyate has had far more minutes than I thought and there's been flashes where you can see why he's being picked because he, he'd be great in that game of Rondo in training pruts. He's just, <laughs> he's everywhere, isn't he? In his anticipations. Rondo, is, is, is that what it's called? I don't know. That's what, they, right, that's what they call it at Real Madrid. I'm not sure they call it at Southampton. No, <laughs> I, I think it was just called keep pruts in the middle. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, that's, a, that's a potential change. But for, for me, the, the way 
you beat Brighton is to be, again, a bit more in their face. And you're going to have this example, aren't you, of Brentford having done them with 30% possession. But I hope we're not going to have a regret mid-season, end of season about being so um, passive out of possession. So I, I do hope we can find a way to force it a little bit. And I look, they're a good side, well-established. They beat Man United when they were in disarray and at the start of the season put them to the sword. And again, they're, they're a team that can exploit weakness and they'll be coming into this game with um, you know, ice in their veins thinking they can, they can pick us off. And mm-hmm. we've got to spring some kind of surprise. I think um, that, that team uh, selection is is key. I think that 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 shows the intent. If there's not any market change to the eleven, then we are going to sit deep and compact and contain and look to spring on the counter. But I just if if that's the plan, we need to find a way to convert more in the in the final third. Uh, and yeah, Brennan needs a a bit of a, a video session between now and then because in the way we're playing at the minute, we're not getting the best out of Emmanuel Dennis. Our knee's been taken out of the spotlight for a little while. Lingard's waiting in the wings. I think Gibbs White has, has perhaps been the most complete attacking player. Looks very comfortable on the ball. He's backing himself with the pace to, to get on the outside. He's also checking and coming in and playing those direct passes to the to the edge of the box, looking for the return. He's played some nice through balls as well, hasn't he? He's certainly been the most penetrative. I can't even say it. <laughs> he's been the most, we, know, we know what you mean, Tim. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? He's, he's just been direct, hasn't he? He's got the ball and he's always looked to make something happen. He's not mm. the one turning around, dropping off to the fullback. He's, he's taken risk for the ball and I think he's made himself undroppable at this, at this point. We, we need to change the mix around him a little bit if we're going to play the same system against Brighton but want to get a better result than we did at Wolves. Yeah, I mean, as mentioned... Brentford beat Brighton with 30% possession at home, but they've got Eve Antonio up front who mm. doesn't need three chances and can bury a penalty you know, every time it comes to him. So maybe slightly different kettle of fish. I mean, how would you like to see Forrest go about it at Brighton? They're obviously a good side under new management perhaps. They are. And, and as Temps has said, they can do damage to teams that are far higher in the table than Forrester. I think... We can look at structures and formations, and it's nominally a 4-3-3, isn't it? But I think, as we've seen, when it becomes tentative containment, it becomes a 4-5-1, really, doesn't it, for Forrest, which doesn't serve anyone um, with any purpose. Emmanuel Dennis hasn't come to hasn't come to Nottingham Forest to play as a lone number nine by any stretch of the imagination, has he? Um, so that decision-making that Temps talks about is absolutely paramount. And if Morgan has freedom or license to do more things offensively the good thing is it from the point of view you're probably looking at a team that are doing exactly what the manager wants them to do which is when you are playing a team such as wolves then there isn't an, a way at their place you can't just go hell for leather up against them because they've probably been stung a little bit earlier on in the season for us for being that little bit more open and i'm not saying there's a perception of a better way to lose but if it looks like they're giving it a right go i think there'll be that that sense more of optimism that if you are going to be playing in a certain way obviously you've got to outscore the opposition that's a fundamental football but if it's a 3-2 or a 4-3 or then it then it actually shows that Forrest are capable of really creating problems going forward and then you you work on the defense accordingly but i think i think as you say if it is about seeding possession then it does mean that when you do get chances as we spoke about with Brennan or Morgan or Emmanuel Dennis up top then decision making is paramount if it's a late run by Ryan into the box, then 
it's not got not allowed to be a near miss. It's got to be a goal, hasn't it? It's these these fine margins, and it's funny, isn't it? the way we talk about it? We can make it sound relatively straightforward, but a team that's got the likes of Solly March and Leandro Trossa, uh, Pascal Gross can cause Forest a lot of problems, a lot of problems. I saw them just before Graham Potter moved on against Leicester. Yes, Leicester were awful that day, but they just pulled them apart at will. So Forest are going to be very, very wary of that. And I think um, in games such as this, again, it's another good barometer of where they are. Brighton sat seventh in the Premier League, establishes the key word that you use there, Matt, and a template possibly for the way that Forest wants to make sure that they're in the Premier League for the next few years. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I think it's interesting where Forrest are at in the sense that a lot of fans online, some are writing off the season already, Temps, and saying we're down, there's no hope. Obviously, a tough couple of games coming up against Liverpool and Arsenal. Uh, do you give people hope that Forrest can still stay up or are you in the, 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 the boat that this is destined to end in you know, abject failure? Well, look, first of all, the mindset of a professional sportsman is win every game, make it better next time. You know, uh, failure is never fatal, <clears throat> success is never final, and all of all of those mantras. So, Forest have found it tougher than they perhaps anticipated, and it would not have been part of their plan to be where they are after after ten games. The bookies who take a cold, dispassionate look all twenty teams think we're we're odds on to go down, and things do need to change markedly if we're going to bring about a change in that that perception. And that comes down to performances and then results. So, yeah, look, on, on the balance of probability, other teams have a better chance as of staying up at the minute. But it only takes two successive results to, to turn that around because we're, we're a long way from a drift and Brighton is certainly a winnable game. So I'm perhaps not as... Uh, blindly optimistic as Greg Mitchell or one or two other friends of the, the podcast. I think that if we are going to stay up, it's going to be by a very fine margin and will be the result of some surprise results and sorting, sorting ourselves out against the um, perceived weaker teams at, at home in, in particular. But when we spoke pre-season, we, we had ourselves on kind of, you know, 12, 13, 14 points at, at this stage and they haven't materialised. And even in those games against Fulham and Brentford, where we took the lead and looked pretty strong at home, sorry, Fulham and Bournemouth, we, we showed a bit of a soft underbelly and let them let them back in the game. So lessons learned there. Uh, a, a, a run of fixtures now, which is markedly tougher than the ones that we've just come through, but a surprise result within that could bring about a kickstart to the season. And as Prut said, get us towards 17th place, which for me would be absolute nirvana. How do you think the players are viewing it, Prots? Because the table doesn't look pretty right now, but as Tam says, professional sportsmen should be able to see that things can change quickly if they can get these results. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, I mean, there would have been under no illusion just how tough it was going to be. And I I think it was... Was it Steve Cook who said it? It, it doesn't want to go into this 
the period of the break when the World Cup comes along with things being doom and gloom. Now, that's going to take a hell of a turnaround between now and, and November when we do pause. But um, there's the mentality. You, you can't, can't stress enough just how much mentality plays a part in it because as a collective, I think that squad's good enough to, to stay in the Premier League. I absolutely do. It's quite another thing to be able to to get the points accrued to be able to make sure that that happens, and that then comes from, like you say, the the ability to withstand pressure because that's that's what top level sport is. It, it's stress testing every two or three days. And you mentioned Liverpool and Arsenal coming up. If you're going to hit a Liverpool buoyed by that win against Manchester City, Liverpool can tear people to shreds. They can tear the best teams in Europe to shreds. Arsenal seem to have complete about face with regards to their mentality and also their productivity. They're an awesome attacking team to watch now. So Forrest have got to be very, very wary of that. And it's a fine line between being timid and saying, let's just go there not to lose. But also you've got to compete as well, take the game towards the opposition, but in a sensible manner. Um, So the players will be under no illusions just how tough it is. They'll understand they'll be getting debate and discourse on every single, as we said, platform that's there. It's not just the local paper anymore. It's national media. It's rolling 24-hour news. It's match of the day. It's Monday night football. It, it's it's all of those things, Twitter, um, Instagram, where everything will be poured over and discussed. And there's no hiding place. And like I said, from a human point of view and understanding possibly a modicum of what the pressure is to play in a certain division, I empathise with them. The other side of it is... It's a brutal profession. You just you have got to get on with it. You either you either swim into the choppy waters or you sink. And I'd like to think that this has got more swimmers than sinkers in the forest dressing room. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Right. Just want to spend the last five or ten minutes or so talking about the changes behind the scenes last week with George Sirianos and Andy Scott leaving the recruitment department. Temps, what do you make of it? Twenty three signings. Kind of an admission that. A failure, isn't it? After uh, you know such a short time, or do we have to accept this is the way Manjos Marinakis runs his football clubs? Yeah, it is, and he's entitled to do that. And he has shown that he is ruthless enough to make a limitless number of changes in personnel on the field and off the field to make this thing work. And given the checks that he's signing, he's well within his rights to do that. What does it say internally? It says. Job security is not a factor you should be looking for if you're going to work at, at Forest or, or indeed half the Premier League, three quarters of the, of the Football League. I think that there's always going to be an element of scapegoating when something like this goes wrong. I don't dismiss the method that led to these players getting selected. As, as Prut said, they've been thrown together and within that squad is every attribute that you need to survive in the in the Premier League. But we haven't quite got the, the blend right on the pitch. So I don't attach blame to the owner because that's what goes with the territory. In an owner-operated business, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to work for a, a members club where we don't have uh, a big financier putting money in or, or, or taking money out, the responsibility is on us to perform and to make the thing work. In an owner-operated business, you've got someone at the top of the food chain who, on a whim, can pay a settlement fee to replace man A with, with man B. Mm-hmm. And I think in football, there's, there's so many people seeking these jobs that rather than spending three years trying to get the 
um, have someone come good, you can make a change in 10 minutes by summoning them to, to London, paying them their severance and their replacements often in before the, you know, the ink is dry on that, on that agreement. So I'm not surprised given where we, where we are, there are always going to be consequences. I'm pleased that the consequence wasn't the removal of Steve Cooper. So in that sense, if it's bought him more time to, to get out of this squad, what he, what he thinks he can, then it's probably a, a good thing. But on a human level, I do feel for two fellas that have moved to the city, tried to do a good job for their employer, and it hasn't quite worked out. And I think you can separate the two. What about you, Prot? So you're playing in that dressing room who's come in and the blokes who've signed you and said, these are good players, they've just been binned off. Do players bother about that or not? Um, no, because players are inherently selfish, and I mean that just as a fact rather than an opinion. Um, it, it does perhaps suggest that going along with Temps's point, that there is a strategy and a structure because there would have been a school of thought from a certain era of football that if the transfers don't work, then the man who brought them in, i.e. the manager, then has to go. So this then shows that Steve's part of a structure which possibly means that he doesn't have veto on it or doesn't have the absolute last word on it. And that's by no means a, a denigration of the power that he's got in the football club just a reflection basically on what it is now in that hierarchical sense of, well, these are the people that are helping make these decisions. And if there's a majority, then we're going to go this way. Um, I think there was always, because we were in, I think you were texting me over the course of the summer, Matt, where it was almost like that that rolling kind of number that kept ticking over. Oh, there's another signing, here's another signing. And that initial burst, you kind of, I think as a Forest fan, you go, yes, you mean we're, going to, we're giving it a right go, that old uh, cliche. When it gets to 20, you kind of go, well, this is amazing, but this doesn't work. It's going to look a little bit um, out of kilter. And then the money that's involved in it, it was a ballpark figure of about 150 million quid, um, shows that there is a commitment from the owner to get recruits in and uh, tool up for the Premier League. Because let's, let's be honest, as much as, and there's there's that great article that you sent me, Matt, as well, and he's, um, he's certainly one of life's... Um, eccentrics isn't he and I don't think and again I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way he's, he's just operates in a different manner to other people which is possibly where his success um as a businessman actually comes from so he's it's it's to back up Temps's point is it, for the football club belongs to the fans of course if we think about it in the traditional sense why is it a big football club because a lot of people love it a lot of people have followed it it's had a lot of success technically it belongs to him that's that's just the way it is, and he will do with it what he sees fit. And if that means spending lots of money, um, having to cover the club during COVID, forking out money when the, no one saw what was over the hill, um, paying wages, um, operating, I don't, I, I don't know the, the, the far end of, of what it is, but you won't find many football clubs that are, are, are in the black, will you, that are kind of making money week on week. So it, it's it's a it's a, an insane flight of fancy anyway to win a football club. But having got Forrest back into the Premier League, which is what everyone was crying out for for over twenty years, then that's that's where he stands as as a legendary figure doing that, and he's well within his rights to make these decisions. But it doesn't right when you hear the news, it doesn't ultimately reflect well on the choices made for the people in charge to bring the players in. But as we've seen, as 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 is the great debate. <laughs> away from football and politically now 
to be seen to make a U-turn or backtrack or change a decision is is now a uh, a big sign saying you're useless at your job. Now, there is an element of that in a broader scheme, but on the flip side of it is he, he is well within his rights to go, well, I had these people do that thing. They're now not doing what I want them to do. So as their boss, that's absolutely his prerogative to go, you're not doing the job I think that I pay you for. So sorry, this has changed. And I've come across Andy as well in the past, a fellow that got a lot of time for and he's well-respected in football circles. But he'll know exactly what it's like to operate for an owner such as as the one that Forrest have got, and that comes with the, the jeopardy comes with the territory, doesn't it? That wonderful success of being a football club that's in the Premier League is at the very knife edge where things can spectacularly fall off a cliff, and it's up to the players now that are there and the manager that's been given that huge boost of a new contract to, as Temps is saying, get the chemistry right. Um, probably the last one, right? Temps, are you? Curious or worried about January now that we could have 10 in, 10 out. We're not sure who's going to be making the calls. Obviously, Evangelos, um, Miltiades Maranakis put himself front and centre. A couple of the, the summer signings in Lingard, I think, and Lodi. Could things go a bit pear-shaped in January or do we have to just wait and see and hope the right processes are put in place now, having reviewed the, the structure? It's a bit like the uh, pre-Wolves tweet. I don't think you'll quite see people <laughs> personally owning transfers in January as they were in, in July and August. But I'll say this, there'll definitely be business in and out of the city ground in that window. I think we're already seeing now there's, there's some players that aren't getting minutes that will be hungry for football, be that a, a loan or a, or a move elsewhere. And there are deficiencies which we could potentially... Uh, managed through through good recruitment. So, yeah, of, of course there'll be transfer business. And no, I don't think there'll be quite as much clamour to own individual transfers. Um, seems a million miles away, doesn't it? But on notepads throughout the city ground at the, already, there'll be shortness of names of people we want to get in the, in the, in the club to improve the defence, the midfield and, uh, and, the, and the strike force. And I think a centre-forward would be top of that list. Just to ask a question of you both here, because he was that kind of marquee signing, uh, Jesse Lingard, has, what, what has he done since he's been there? Well, he hasn't had the minutes mm. uh, or, the, or the backing, has he, Matt, to uh, be considered a, a, a star man for Forest? He'll certainly be a, a, amongst the higher earners, but you see the flashes of quality um, that suggest if he had 90 minutes for five games in a row, he'd make something happen. Even when he came on against Wolves, he doesn't seem to force it, Jesse. Even when he's getting 20 minutes, 30 minutes, he plays his own game and he's he's lively on the ball. He, he's he's composed. He's often coming on where we're trying to change it, where we, we find ourselves behind and need to, to take more risks. And he's he's an exciting player. But what he's been a victim of is that you can't accommodate seemingly... Gibbs, White, Lingard and Johnson in mm. the team at the same time. And in the games that we've we've done that, it's come unstuck, particularly because we found ourselves under pressure. We've reverted the long ball and none of those three have been particularly adept at controlling it, holding it up and bringing others into play. So we've got three players of a relatively similar profile vying for minutes and he's been the one that's been seen as expendable. Yeah, I think it's seen flashes on like Temp says, I think I agree with everything you said. I, th- I got the impression before the Leicester game, Cooper might have laid the challenge out to him. He went public saying, now's the time we need to see more from you. And he was horrible in the Leicester game. And I, I, that that 
has kind of overridden the conversation around him, which should be a bit more nuanced, and that he's done bits, but he hasn't really delivered. I just wonder if maybe the Brighton game is a good time to put him in mm. and see what he can do. It might be his kind of game against that kind of Brighton team where they're going to, you know, they're going to dominate the ball and maybe Lingard can just pick a pass or something. So the question again, and we said earlier, is who's he come in for? Do you take out Brennan, who's not playing well, and then you back to the same conundrum of do Gibbs, White, Dennis and Lingard make a good front three? It's the same conversation we had last time. You were on Prutz after that Spurs mm. game. Yeah. And one year hasn't really... I mean, I still think Awani might be the best solution as that spearhead, but he hasn't played well. As Temp said again, in January, I think maybe that number nine is the top priority and see what he can do there. I'm not sure. What, what do you think from afar of Lingard then, Prutz? Is he looking like a flop? Uh, again, it's, it's... I mean, flop's a big word. Um, it's not as many followers. But the... Um, <laughs> to... to there's there's an expectation, obviously, with an established name such as that, um, and people reference his his time at West Ham, which I think there's a there's a there's a small demographic that forget that that was the season before last, which in football terms is is a lifetime, really. Um, I think you're right. Whether it's a case of either Morgan or Brennan making way for for Jesse Lingard to come into the side, um, then there's that's where you would think he would fit whether he's doing enough in these little passages of, of time on the pitch to kind of like kind of theoretically been be banging on the manager's door is another thing altogether but again it, it and I'm it's not and I'm trying to trying to judge it in a non-cynical way or tr- sometimes you can get caught up in looking at it like a fan which is he'll be on x amount of money a week um whether reports that you read vary from like a hundred thousand pound kind of spectrum, doesn't it? Um, which then doesn't mean which you, you've got to take out of it because footballers' wages are astronomical and 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 arbitrary and pulled out the clouds and all that. So to, to judge a player on that is is a, a bit wide of the mark. You've got to judge him on his approach and his and his ability to per, perform in a football match. And tactically and technically, he's a very, very good footballer. And maybe it goes along with what Temps is saying, the fact that they've not, he's not been on the pitch for long enough to be able to make that kind of absolute kind of uh, opinion on it. Jury's still out, I think. Not not him, him as a footballer, because he's a good footballer. I think the jury is, is still well and truly out on him as a Forest player because of the little impact that he's had so far. But if you're looking at signings that, that have had a little impact, have, that have had a little impact, you can group about fifteen of them together with that, can't you? You can you can also judge players that played all last season that have made a not as big as impacts as they would have liked. I think that kind of goes without saying when you see a team that's in the position that they're in. Fundamentally across the board, performances haven't been there. I can I can follow Cooper's logic though, because he's he's inking in Morgan Gibbs White to play. Along with that, he needs a spearhead striker. Plan A was our need, didn't quite work. Dennis is having a go now and Surge is getting time off the bench. So it's becoming a choice in this system, probably between Lingard and Johnson. And objectively, he thinks Brennan offers more of an all-round threat at this moment in time. So it'll be interesting to see if that balance does tip, and if we do see Jesse get a start with with Brennan asked to, to make a difference off the bench rather than the the other way around, which is what we're seeing at the minute. So I think that's probably becoming more of a marginal call where it probably was obvious to him three four weeks ago. He, he might just be revis- revisiting that one sometime soon. Um, last thing on him as well, that the other thing that cloudy supporters' perceptions of him is he's made two 
the kind of low percentage but high profile errors and against Bournemouth he gave the ball away and Billing pinged one in from 30 yards and against Leicester he shinned one and Madison scored from outside the box and you know nine times out of ten you get away with that although in the Premier League we're seeing you know zero times out of ten you get away with it for Forrest but it's maybe a little unfortunate for Lingard but he does need to step up I do think we need to see more from him um 50 minutes in, we'll just uh, finish there. But as usual, give people a chance of a last word. Temps, anything you want to say or plug? No, nothing to, nothing to plug now. We we, uh, we gave my beer fest with a good caning, didn't we, over the, the past four or five weeks? So we'll leave that one alone. I was just going to mention, I was lucky enough to uh, follow Luke Fletcher around the, the pitch on uh, at the, the the last game. As he, he was How did you get on the phone? I'm going to interject there. How did you end up on the pitch? I was his hype man slash cameraman, just recording hype it for man. posterity. Love that. But also, the trophy weighs thirty-five kilos, and he, he couldn't manage it on his own. <laughs> but what what made me giggle was some fella um, Matt was ribbing me on social media, and some fella tracked us down. So I didn't know who that lad was. I just presumed it was Sam Surridge's dad, which made me giggle. So yeah, <laughs> cheers for that. <laughs> no, I'm so I'm glad you got on the city ground pitch. Two of us have graced the city ground pitch now. Then it puts as well. Um, Great. <laughs> one, of, one of us has soiled it. The other one's graced it. It's <laughs> it's, 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 quite, it's quite the experience, isn't it? Once you're on there, it's um, it's and I mean the pitch now it's immaculate. And but the I think what we've seen as well when it's been absolutely at its best, it's been a wonderful place to watch a game of football. And hopefully, there's part of that that'll help see them over the line. I mean, the, the line's a long, long way away, isn't it? It's a marathon that has to be hit at full tilt and full sprint. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just intrigued to, to kind of see the broad, um, the broad um, kind of opinion on what fans have found it like being back in the Premier League. Because like I said, a lot of things are, are the same, but a, a lot of things, it's like a different universe, isn't it? When you look at the teams that everyone's coming up against and the and the um, accessibility and the, um, the pressure and the spotlight on it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I just hope that... By the time it comes around, after we've been to Qatar, we come back. We've got January transfer window. We've got the rest of the season. By May, they've uh, they've clambered to safety. Yeah, I've, uh, I played on the city ground pitch, Matt. I should mention this. We had an ill-tempered game against the Forest staff. I think there were about <laughs> four yellow cards. We nicked it three-two. It was one of the most <laughs> physical games of football I've ever played in. And did you have any ringers? Yeah, we did have a couple of ringers. We had Mark Clifford playing centre mid, ex Boston United, and Paul Hart's lad Jamie was up front throwing Wasn't elbows he good, around. Jamie? Yeah, he's just an absolute Andy Carroll character. Yeah, just we would turn up for this friendly, and he gave this kind of Stuart Pearce speech beforehand about you know oh, we, we weren't going to take any backward steps. Mm. And he was yeah first first into battle, and he, he won us the game. So it, it quickly degenerated from the end of the season staff friendly into the FA Cup final <laughs> and we were all flying in it was good yeah. fun I wanted to mention as well that I, I, I played football with John Thompson last week in the, in the Veterans League I and he's still up. got it he's fit as a fiddle isn't he? he's a personal trainer so I think he's yes. fresh off six sessions with um, the, the, the the good and the, the great from Loudon Village who he'd been doing yoga and 5Ks with and still right. turned up and yeah, ran ran all day. So it's open invitation if you need a game on a Sunday afternoon. Oh my god, yeah, to come and just slob my way around the pit. I, I, I remember because he had a few injuries when I was there, Tom. I, it was a couple of quite serious ones, from what I remember. And there was one stage where I think he was working with Gary Fleming, the physio, and there was just it felt like for a period of time all you saw was Tomo just doing laps of this pitch, and he he was it was a terrifically and frighteningly fit fella. 
uh, and showed real kind of fortitude because he had that that facial injury as well, didn't he? Which was quite a serious one. I think he broke his quite severely broke his nose and there was cheekbone damage and all that. And and um, another lad and and of of a certain generation of of the Irish lads that you'd meet in the digs, who there was an absolute cabal of them when we joined in the late nineties. They were more. Scottish, Irish, and, and uh, continentals than there were us <laughs> English lads. So uh, they were they were a great bunch, and to see him to see him cracking on doing that, I think is fantastic. Uh, last thing I was going to say, just picking on what you said, Prost, there's a real there's an interesting split in the camp. I think now of Forest mm. fans between the happy to be here, just enjoy it brigade, mm. and also the cutthroat win at all costs, mm. do what you've got to do sack everyone you know sack the manager brigade so not right get rid of them yeah yeah well yeah we'll see how that develops interesting but i think yeah people are probably getting more of the win at all costs camp at the moment but interesting if they can get a result at brighton might as we say change everything i think we'll leave it there thanks to everyone who's watched along uh no comments to bring up this week because this is a recorded only one because my kids are terrorizing the house downstairs so i'll see if they haven't set fire to everything when I get down. But Mike, the- Mike, you do know what to say that there's no bad kids, there's only bad parents. So you can't keep pointing the finger, mate. Come on. <laughs> I've got glitter tattoos on my hand. I said to you earlier, <laughs> I built a, a dragon, a dinosaur fighting arena yeah. this morning. I've had a and sword. you're wearing a tutu, which is lovely, but no, one, no one's seen that from the waist down, have they? So. I'm still wearing my pajamas. <laughs> my, <laughs> yeah. my god. <laughs> Does he need an intervention? Come on! What on earth the thing is going now, on now you've got these you've got these full length studios at Sky Sports now. I was convinced for years that you boys were smart up top wearing shorts under the desk. Now we've got this wide so, angle. We know you have to get topped up every week. There was, I think, there was. Remember Rob McCaffrey on? He used to do your on Sky Sports. Hmm. There was like apparently because the suit jacket. From what I heard, this is, might be an urban myth. Like just used to iron the front bit, so the bit of the shirt that you could see. And then maybe a pair of jeans or a pair of shorts under the desk, which is um, the magic of TV, you see. But now, I mean, now it's a fashion show, isn't it? If, if you're not wearing a certain thing, it's ugh, not even bothered. I mean, what's he wearing? True, true. You're sponsored, aren't you? You've got all sorts of merchandise deals, puts not temps. C- CNA... Georgia Asda, all the <laughs> odd ones. I'd like to see a Prutz range on boohooman.com to rival Deli Alley. All really, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. There was, I remember there was there was a picture that got put up. I think it was of uh, Calvin Phillips that had rocked up to somebody's house wearing what looked like the bottom end of a Scooby Doo fancy dress outfit, but probably cost more than my first car. So, I'll uh, what once you're in your forties, anything that's related to fashion, you just got to dial it down, play it simple, make it slimming. And keep your mouth shut. Well, only two of us are in our forties on this panel. <laughs> Temps haven't got there yet, have you? Look You're not forty yet, are you? Not quite, mate. Sneaking up the rails. <laughs> right, we'll leave it there. I'm not sure what the plan is the rest of the week. As mentioned, childcare. What with and... your kids, or? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely not sure what's happening. Your there. kids, Matt, sort them out. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not sure what's happening with the podcast after the Brighton <laughs> game because of childcare and my rotor and uh, temps. You've got childcare and other issues with Greg and Mikey struggling as well. So we might not be back. We might be back later in the week for a short episode. But in the meantime, do have a good week. Prutz, when's your Warnock podcast podcast out? The, we, we're recording a few this week, and then when I get told, I'll be able to tell you. We've done a pilot, which seemed to be okay. Uh, so, yeah, watch this Watch this. This space. Excellent. Can, can I give you a qu- I know we're dragging on here. Can I give you a question for Warnock? Yes, there was a definitely. Time when he, he kind of shook hands, hadn't he, on becoming the forest gaffer, 
and he somehow managed to sign Lee Peltier for Forest, and then ultimately didn't sign the contract himself. And this right. poor lad was stranded at Forest, thinking he was going to walk, walk in as Warnock's man on the inside and start every week. So I'd just like to, to know the timeline of how he managed to sign a player for Forest without ever actually being the Forest gaffer. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. And, and let's not weep too much for Lee Peltier, because I think Warnock's taken, Neil's taken him to several places and made him a very good living and a career so off the back of that. So he's, uh, he's probably been dumped in worse places, let's be honest. <laughs> Right, this has been the longest last 10 minutes of the podcast. Hasn't it? I think we've done. We just you're in charge, mate. You've got to wrap this up. See, <laughs> when you're the presenter, you've got to wrap it up. Don't let them waffle on. If this is just broken biscuits, wrap it up. It's your show. This is gold. This is why we're short this for an award. So, yeah, don't worry. We're not going to win it, but we're short this is for it, which I'll take. <laughs> and you put yourself in it, but it's fine. We won't tell anyone that. It's good. It's all right. I did put us in it, but we did make that shortlist. So that's fine. That's fine. Right. And lots of people voted for us, which we appreciate. So we will definitely leave it there. We'll be back this time next week or perhaps later in the week. In the meantime, uh, enjoy the game against Brighton and hopefully Forrest get a result. And we shall see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.